welcome to Spiritual Wanderlust, where we explore our interior life in search of the sacred. Many of us will travel the whole world to find ourselves, but here we'll follow those longings within to our spiritual and emotional landscapes. In each episode, we'll talk with inspiring guests, contemplative teachers, embodiment experts, neuropsychologists, and mystics. With a blend of ancient wisdom and modern science, along with a healthy dash of mischief, we'll deep dive into divine intimacy and what it means to be whole. I'm your host, Kelly Deutsch. Hello, everyone. Kelly Deutsch here, and today I have joining me Luke Healy. Uh, Luke is the co-founder of the Integral Christian Network, um, where they do a lot of really interesting things, and I'm excited to talk to them. It's, it has a lot to do with things like Teilhard de Chardin and spiral dynamics and some of those things that uh, I think a lot of us find a little uh, baffling and inaccessible. So I'm excited to pick Luke's brain today about what this means, what it has to do with the contemplative life and mysticism and growing in each of our journeys. So Luke, I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kelly. It's great to be here. Yeah. Let me start our conversation just by asking, how did you first come across this world of integral Christianity and how is it different? What makes it distinct? Yeah, I, uh, I came across it in a few different ways, one of which primarily is through Richard Rohr, who's mm. a big proponent of integral theory and Christ integral Christianity. Um, also exposure to spiral dynamics through the liturgists and uh, kind of just started the rabbit trail there, learning about uh, this sort of way of seeing the world, of understanding uh, this this field that's that that can be a little uh, esoteric, like you said, a little little confusing. There's a lot to it, so yeah, happy to be able to talk about it and dive into it a little bit. Yeah. So, how for the person who's never heard of integral Christianity or of spiral dynamics or any of these folks, how would you explain that to just a layperson on the street? Yeah, definitely. I, I think a, a good way to maybe initially start or open the doors is, is it's really kind of two things about it, at least in the way that I understand it. Um, one is that it's evolutionary. So we are looking at uh, faith and spirituality and really integral encompasses more than that, but our focus is, is in that area, not just looking back, um, but how are we going forward? And one of the things, few of the things that Jesus said is, I have much more to teach you, but you're not ready for it yet. Or, you know, Jesus said, we will do greater things, greater things, um, or that, you know, it's good for me to leave so the spirit can come. So, so what is this sort of forward movement? Um, <clears throat> what, what does faith look like now and going forward into the future? So much of religion and spirituality can get caught in looking back and studying and learning about the past and, you know, what, what was it like in Jesus' times and finding documents and all that stuff. That's good and important too, right? But the I think the the goal and the, the focus is to bring it to the now and and where are things going forward here? How is how is life evolving? How is spirituality how is spirituality evolving? How is consciousness evolving? Hmm. And that's what inter, integral theory kind of really speaks to and maps that out in a lot of different ways. Uh, and then along with being evolutionary, it's also integrative. So we're not just like, oh, let's leave all that behind, right? The past is the past, let's, let's charge forward ahead. Um, we really wanna own the best of what's come before. Um, 
living in an integrated consciousness with these sort of previous or past structures of consciousness, these ways of being, these, these practices, all these things that we've learned that, that is the beauty and goodness of tradition. Mm. Um, and then integrating um, also wisdom from other traditions and not just spirituality and religion, but from science, from systems theories, from health, from really everything, right? That, <clears throat> that the more that we can integrate and bring into our worldview, to our consciousness, to our way of being, um, the more complete that we'll be, the more holistic we'll be. So um, crucially, we're also integrating all of our ways of being uh, and knowing. So not just in our mind, um, but really in our in our body and in those other structures of consciousness. So that, that's getting more into to some of the consciousness stuff, but that that's maybe a good initial point, right? It's It's evolutionary and it's also integrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the transcendent include. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent, we could talk about that a little bit more too. The, the transcendent include um, can also get us maybe a little bit too much into a linear projection, which, mm-hmm. which is also, um, I think some of the reasons some people have some dissonance with spiral dynamics or with integral theory. Um, and that's why the integrative part is so important because we're not saying, well, you know, those, those indigenous people back then, they were naive and they didn't have, right, the knowledge that we have today. They didn't know about the universe and so, right? So we, we need to transcend that and, oh, we'll include some of the things, right, as, as sort of a token gesture, but actually um, an integrative integral theory uh, really uh, does more than include, it actually embodies and presentiates or brings forth those uh, those ways of knowing, those ways of being in ourselves. So we're actually bringing them, those latent ways of knowing and being that are within all of us, uh, we're bringing them to bear again in our in our life and in our ways of being. So. Hmm. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, exactly. So um, one of the things as we uh, seek to kind of move into this more embodied holistic consciousness is to recognize that we all have a magical structure of consciousness within us. Um, this way of knowing and being that's a little more enchanted, right? And especially in Western culture, where we're so in our heads and we, we have, um, you know, all these ways of knowing and learning and we, we study and we get it all and it's all up here, right? And maybe some spirituality we bring in the heart, right? We want to want to be loving, we, we incorporate that, but, but a lot of it's kind of that heart up. Um, but actually deeper down in our, in our innermost being or our womb, as Jesus called it, when he said, from your wombs will flow rivers of living water is the depths, the ground of our being, what we call our spiritual womb. And in that space, in that deep intuitive place of wisdom and unity and wholeness uh, is another way of being, is another uh, reality that we can learn to sort of tap into and intuit and live from a little bit more. So, so one example of that is intuition, right? Um, we, <clears throat> the more that we kind of get in tune with that, the more that we start to, to know things that we don't, we didn't learn about, right? We didn't study, we didn't, well, and then, then we're getting into some intuition and how people feel about that. But that's one way that, that those things are actually deep within us, that, that way of knowing, that way of being, um, intuition being one example that, that the more we kind of embody and, and practice into, the more that that uh, becomes a felt reality in how we, how we think or how we know, right? That's not just up here. Mm-hmm. but is more embodied within us. So. Mm. Can you tell me like a story either from your life or some, from someone who has discovered integral Christianity and what, what changed? 
You know, like what difference does it make to think about um, that form of, um, I don't know, what would you say instead of transcend and include, just embodying and in a holistic way, all that you find to be good, true, and beautiful? Yeah, I mean, integrating, uh, it, it's, it's so transformative. It's so <laughs> healing, really, actually. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people come into to integral theory through the maps and through the understanding of, oh, here's how we can kind of get the lay of the land and understand kind of where we've been and where we're going. And, and that's great. And we kind of understand it on a cognitive level, and it helps us see things outside of sort of the flatland of the polarizing duality of everything is conservative or progressive or everything is um you know old or new or we, we get into those dualisms um, and i think that's part of the contemplative path right where we're trying to sort of move beyond that dualistic way of being into uh, more of a non-dual space uh, but in <clears throat> in through that it it's not just how we learn about that and know that, but how do we really embody it and engage in it? And so, I mean, I hear stories all the time of people who join our WeSpace groups and and this this way of um, of being is so healing and it's holistic and it's integrated because because we can get so easily trapped in that that mental space, that 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 place that where we're just trying to know more and more and more. And it actually becomes uh, imperialistic <laughs> where our mind is controlling us. It's where we're driven by needing to know more and and learn and learn and learn. I know that's that's part of my own journey. I I just read hundreds and hundreds of books trying to find the the answer, right? Trying to learn more to know and and really finally coming to the end of my mind and realizing that that I'd have to I'd have to go deeper, um, and I'd have to also move out into the relational space. I couldn't do it all on my own individualistically, mm. but that it had to be with others and through others. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's so many stories of of people who joined our groups and have come into this different way of sort of um, practicing a spirituality that is more embodied, that's more relational, and that it's more co-creative because we're we're drawing on those inner resources and um, discovering new ways that we can. Um, transform the way that we're living and loving and, and being in the world. Hmm. How did that shift happen for you? I mean, if, do, do, am I remembering correctly? Are you a five? Yeah. Yeah. Enneagram yeah. five. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so just naturally oriented towards more heady um, existence in the world. So how did that transition happen for you and what did that look and feel like? And I mean, did others notice that transition happening in you? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And, and a long story, I'll, I'll try to keep it somewhat short. But I, in my early years, um, had a, a, um, a early childhood trauma that that led me my coping strategy was to retreat to my head. So that's kind of how I moved into the five space. I thought, oh, if I just figured everything out, and didn't make any mistakes, I wouldn't get attacked, or I couldn't feel any more pain. Um, and I'd be safe. So that was that was the initial part. And then through my faith journey, uh, I knew that I needed to move back into my heart to rediscover my emotions, to reconnect to, to that space in me. And I did that in my 20s. Um, and through that, of course, being a five, I was still in my head. I was I was reading, I was studying, I was following the footnotes because I was I was also kind of dissatisfied with the state of affairs of, of religion and much of institutional Christianity as I had experienced it and as I'd grown up in. So I was reading the mystics and reading um, just all these all these different places that that no one told me about that no one, uh, you know, <laughs> recommended in those days, uh, especially not in my evangelical camps. 
uh, and I'd followed those footnotes and found more mystics and really moved into that experiential to say, oh, there's this divine immediacy, there's this presence here that, that went beyond learning about concepts that went beyond just um, knowing more and more. And as I read, read and read and read and read, eventually got to a point where I realized that I'm, I'm not gonna not gonna find this in a book. Um, mm. <clears throat> there's a beautiful story that I really love that uh, was um, is from the the Sufi poet Rumi, mm. and uh, some people may be familiar with um, Shams, who was was Rumi's dear beloved and and confidant and teacher. When they first met, uh, Rumi was around a well with a number of his students and. And Shams just kind of strolled into the middle of the, the gathering, walked up to the well and pushed the stack of books down into the well. And no one knew who this guy was. And everyone kind of, the students all freaked out and Rumi looked at him and, and he said, you've lived too long on borrowed awareness. Mm. And that was the catalyst for Rumi's transformation and awakening. So um, when I read that story, that really struck me as well. I realized that I was trying to find borrowed awareness. Uh, in my mind and I needed to own my own awareness. I needed to deepen into that mystical way of being and knowing and living uh, within myself. But again, not just within myself, um, also with others. I, I had a, um, a pretty clear message from God that said, you can't go any further alone. And so that was a movement into uh, the relational space, into seeking, I've always sought community, um, but finding deeper mystical community. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you go about finding that, that mystical community? Yeah, well, I've I tried different things uh, throughout the years and, and kind of corresponding to that inward journey. I, um, <clears throat> I first thought, well, if we just change the way we're doing things, right? Church, church isn't great, institutional religion. Well, that's just, that's, that's, that's change the forms, right? That's, let's get a new system in here. Let's rearrange things. And, and that's, that will, that will fix it. That will, that will get uh, community how it's supposed to be. Right. So I, I dabbled in the house church movement and missional church and some of the, the sort of post evangelical things of the, of the nineties and early two thousands. And, uh, eventually got into starting a new monastic intentional community, which was, you know, really kind of trying to go back to the roots of, of early Christianity, living in common, sharing everything, moving to the deserted places of the empire and, um, you know, doing, doing life together. And that was good. It was also a very spiritually ego boosting, um, you know, we're doing it the right way. We're, we're mm. doing the way it should be. And that led me into a, a dark night, into a period of a death of my spiritual ego and a loss of, um, of trying to create the beloved community to create the way things should be from my own space of, oh, this is what it looks like. This is how we do it. Let's, let's reorganize in this way. Um, and, and, and yeah, that was about eight years in that space. Um, and in this sort of re reawakening, rediscovering when I, when I came out of that process, I, I thought, well, okay, where, <laughs> where do I find people? Where are the others? And, and so it, it was kind of finding the maps, right? Finding the conceptual frameworks, this new in integral seemed to point to something that, that recognized um, some deeper realities that recognized some ways of seeing the world that, that resonated with where I was and felt like I was, God was evolving me into. So I found Paul Smith who wrote the, the book, Integral Christianity, looked him up on a website, found out he actually ran, was a pastor of a church for 49 years in the, in the 
town that I grew up in, uh, but I wasn't ready to, to meet him yet. So <laughs> it was after all of this journey for myself that I, I met him and we just connected instantly, had this mystical resonance and um, a really spiritual soulmates. And from there, actually at our first meeting, he said, it, it can be kind of lonely in this space. And I said, yeah, well, what if it doesn't have to be? <laughs> so that's one of my, my gathering. I've always been a gathering. Uh, that's one of my archetypes. And so we have this great tool of the internet and ways of, of finding people out there who, who share similar resonances and ways of, of seeking to, to be mystics and and live together in unique ways so well not live together but connect um sure. <laughs> in this way now so so that that's kind of how that started that's how integral christian network started was to to sort of um gather gather together some of of this evolutionary and integrative uh, approach to christianity mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a lot in your story that i resonate with and i think a lot of people listening will resonate with that um you know, dissatisfaction or something was amiss in the way that we were experiencing religion, spirituality, whatever it was, thinking that we were then doing it the right way, you know, and which is interesting because a lot of us, I think a lot of people will swing more progressive and be like, now I'm doing it right, (laughs) you know? And it's funny because I, I think we can be just as fundamentalists, whether we're conservative or we can become fundamentalist liberals. We can be fundamentalist contemplatives, you know, like, yeah. oh, are you doing absolutely. your 20 minute sit every day? <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're not, huh? You know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're open to sharing, how, how did that, what popped the bubble as far as, you know, spiritual ego? I mean, I did the same thing and I, it, it took my life falling apart to actually realize how much I relied on all of the like structures. Like, look, I'm, I'm a nun. I'm praying four hours a day. I'm like having cool archbishops and people from the Vatican over for dinner. And like, we're talking with all the cool people and the in crowd. And it, it took all of that being stripped away for me to realize how much I depended on those things and praying for four hours a day and being this joyful servant to make me feel like I was a good person. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm curious how how that happened for you. However much you're open to sharing. Yeah, of course. No, I was I was in the new monastic community, and we were um, living in a, in a very underserved community, very violent, very um, very very difficult neighborhood, a difficult circumstance. We were living in the upstairs of this big old stone church building, and ten of us living with one bathroom, and you know, married couples and singles, and it was it was a thing, but, but, you know, yeah, we were, we were, we were doing what we were supposed to, or urban farming, or, you know, kind of getting into this new way of, of it all, and, and, and underneath that, um, yeah, it just, it, it was like, um, you know, it's shadow, it's, we don't see it when we're in the midst of it, right, it's not mm-hmm. present and conscious to us, but it's this, this underlying drive um, to find value, to find meaning and worth, and really to um, maybe to be considered worthy of love, or to be um, mm-hmm. thinking that we're, we're serving God in the way that we need to, that that's what God demands or requires of us. I think, I think for myself, it was, it was sort of a, an idealistic, um, passion. I, I always felt like, um, 
in my life. And, and that's one of the great gifts that traditional Christianity and religion, I think, gave to me. And that's part of the, the healthy integrating and including is to recognize and say, you know, there's a real devotion and passion that came with my upbringing in in evangelical Christianity for all of its many flaws and faults. Um, it, it left me no illusion about um, <clears throat> what life is and what life isn't. And so I may have uh, really, you know, dove into the spiritual ego thing, but at least I didn't climb the corporate ladder and do the career thing. And, you know, that can be great and fine and whatever. I'm not trying to be idealistic about that either. But um, it, it charged, I think it charged me with this sense of, I'm not here just to, to, to make money. I'm not here on this earth just to, um, you know, exist and be present, right? It, it, I think Teilhard de Chardin says it's it's always better to be more conscious than less. And so it, in those early forms, it wasn't very conscious, but it did have that passion that I remember praying as a teenager, okay, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And, uh, and, and being also somewhat aware that, that I have no idea what, what, how God's going to hear this prayer and, and it's beyond on what I can know, right? There's this evolutionary, it's a very dangerous prayer, right? Yeah. This evolutionary God beyond God, right? I don't even know what, what that's going to be. It's going to be the breakdown of my whole faith system and way of seeing and understanding myself. Mm. Um, yeah. So it just, it just through that passion. I mean, I was so committed to that community thinking that we were, we were, you know, I was finally living the way that, that we were meant to live. I would never would have left. Um, I was so, you know, loyal and committed and, and God basically had to say, your time here is done. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, it was a pressure cooker. It, it puts you in an environment where, uh, yeah, you're forced to face your shadow a lot more than you, you would if you're just kind of living alone or even with, with, with family. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of a, a both a gradual unfolding through conflict. I mean, and you're striving, you're trying to make it work, you're trying to be, and then all of a sudden it just kind of cracks open, right? It's just kind of, um, whether it's through the falling apart or through, um, I mean, in this case, our community, we we bought a, an old school bus, a mini school bus, painted it green and drove across the country uh, for a big fun trip, uh, <laughs> visiting national parks and things. And that was like the the super intense pressure cooker that, that kind of caused it all to explode and, and really see ourselves and face um, face some of those, those harsh realities. Of course, it took years for me to kind of process and unfold all of that um, after leaving the community, but um, yeah, yeah. It, it was a blessing. I mean, it was a good thing to, to go through that and recognize like, oh, th this is, this was just kind of a new fundamentalism, right? <laughs> a little more progressive or enlightened or, you know, but, but we, we had that superiority. And that's why I push back on the transcendent include language from earlier, because it so easily can get into that, that superiority, right? Oh, we're going to, we're going to transcend that, that lower stage, that way of being that is, um, well, we're, we're much, we're much beyond that now. Right. And that, that's, that can creep into actually, actually more than creep in that, that can be present in a lot of, of the integral world because we're looking at, um, development, we're looking at, um, evolution and, and we can think of that very linearly, uh, especially if we're, we're doing it primarily from our mental structure of consciousness. So, yeah. Yeah. Would you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I think Anytime we have a spiritual measuring stick, it can be very easy to um, feel superior and almost disdain 
um, if not your past self, other people who are in that and like, uh, or even just pity them, you know, like all oh, those poor people who are, you know, way far back there. I mean, yeah. I see that with people who, I remember giving a talk once on mysticism to a church group and a girl came up afterwards and she's like, so I've been reading Teresa's interior castle and I think I'm in the fifth mansion, but it might be the fourth. How can I tell the difference? You know? And I was like, Hmm, I wonder if this is maybe even the right question to be asking. And I'm curious how you approach that in, in spiral dynamics and integral Christianity. Cause I think it's very easy to be like, well, I, you know, this person's in teal, but I'm over here, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, both how do you approach that and maybe also talking through what are some of these levels and is it even a question we should be asking what level we're in? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. And it's it's kind of um, <clears throat> at the heart of integral theory or spiral dynamics. Or so for those of you who aren't familiar with spiral dynamics or um, part of integral theory is called growing up, which is this idea of stages of, of consciousness, at least in integral theory, as it's expressed by Ken Wilber, who's kind of the main popularizer of it. And it's that we go through these stages of growth and evolution. We grow up from sort of a, a tribal, uh, well, Paul Smith writes about this too, in, in kind of a warrior stage and the tribal stage, and then a modern stage, a postmodern stage, and then an integral stage, right? So it's kind of this, this evolutionary movement. And um, and in each of those stages, there are things that are healthy and there are things that are unhealthy. And then, you know, we, we have to grow and transcend and include is kind of the common narrative there. And, and, and yet it can be helpful, right? It can be helpful, I think, as a good starting place, especially, um, you know, there, there's a lot of nuance there. There's a lot of understanding and in, in how we develop and grow as people. Um, but, but it is helpful to see that it's not all just kind of this flatland, right? It's not all just that dualistic back and forth. This, it, it helps kind of make sense of, oh, well, there, there is sort of a, a, a path of movement here. Um, there are stages of faith, right? There's ways that we grow and evolve. Um, and, and yeah, the, the mind, the ego wants to, wants to put ourselves at the highest stage, right? <laughs> or maybe we'll have a little false humility and say, well, okay, I'm not quite up there to, to the ultraviolet place, but, but I'm definitely teal, right? I, I'm in the second tier, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, you know, or if, or we just kind of just naturally recoil and reject against that hierarchical sort of understanding, which, which also makes sense. I can understand that too. Um, because because it, it can definitely come across that way um, in, in, in how it's presented a lot of times. Uh, one of, before Ken Wilber actually was, um, integral theory's roots are, are from Sri Aurobindo in India with integral yoga and also Jean Gebser, uh, who is a Swiss uh, German theologian, well, not theologian, a, a cultural phenomenologist and, and historian and poet. And he talks about structures of consciousness, not stages of consciousness. And I was kind of alluding to that earlier that we have, we have grown up uh, through these, these ways of being and living and knowing as, as humanity. Um, and over that time, um, it's not that we, we transcend and, and what, what we came from is gone on, but that's still a part of us. It's still within us and it becomes latent or overcome or, or shadowed. And, and, and really that's necessary because uh, those previous structures, they become deficient, right? We have efficient forms of them and then they become deficient. And so we have to find a new way of being. And right now we're in the deficient mental. And I think that's really helpful and important to understand because we need to discover new ways of being. And that isn't just a, a, a 
a transcendent leap into what's next. Oh, and then we'll figure out what to include after that. No, it actually comes about through integrating all of those previous structures of consciousness in us um, in embodied mystical um, access. We, in Christian language, we'd call it um, integrating our divine participation, um, our divine being. Uh, so that's a whole other thread, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think it is helpful to, to, to get a lay of the land, to, to get some maps and, and none of them are perfect, right? None of them really explain everything. And all of them have lots of nuances that can easily get lost. Just like the Enneagram, right? We can, we can type ourselves and get into a thing and, oh, I'm the, no, oh, no, now I understand it. But the true teachers of it who get into the depth and wisdom of it, they'll say, well, okay, this is, this is what it's actually trying to point us toward. It's not trying to get us to to identify into our type more and say, oh, I'm a five and now here's a meme about how I am, right? But no, this is a way to understand ourselves to see things more clearly uh, with more wisdom and hopefully maybe provide some paths of growth mm. and continual transformation. So. Yeah, I like that, like a path of growth. And I also like the, just thinking of it as a structure of consciousness, like things are just shifting because something was not working as well. The deficiency that like, okay, I've come to the end of what this can offer me, it seems in some ways anyway, it's becoming deficient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I need, I need something else, something new, something um, perhaps beyond what I've been living. Um, yeah, well, Cynthia Bourgeau has been writing about this lately, and the metaphor she used was like rooms in a museum, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have these these rooms of different eras and epochs of of art creation, and each one has its value and its its beauty and its goodness. And you spend a little time in this room, and then you say, "Oh, okay, things need to grow and evolve. There, there's new meaning that needs to come forth. There's new uh, expressions and ways of grappling with the world and how we understand and how we how we become into reality." So I'm going to move into this room for a little bit. That room is still a part of the museum. It's still we still have access to it. We draw on it. There's there's qualities. There's um, there's, there's techniques, there's, right, we can overstretch the metaphor, but, but it's this sense of, of, of it all, it all belongs, and it's all a part of things, and it, it is embedded, and it informs our way of expression now. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a nice way of thinking of it, because you can see how, you know, let's say Renaissance art, you know, was informed by classicalism back, you know, kind of Greco-Roman, but also then how it would impact you know, the next people that would come after the other movements in art, even if sometimes those movements were reactions to that one, you know, like the impressionists or, you know, different people who were like, oh, we're going to leave that all behind. But, but you still see how much that was included. You know, they were still all formed in that way. And that was an important stage. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for how wherever art went. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy. Yeah. Um, if you had to give an example using either a fictional person, you know, Joe Schmo, um, <laughs> or even just using, you know, a real person's life, whether it's like a Mother Teresa or a Gandhi or someone, um, using those, the colors of spiral dynamics, what that looks like at each stage, um, because I think that's what sometimes, you know, we get a little confused. I mean, same with anybody who's new to the Enneagram, you're like, wait, is that a is that a nine or is it a six? And how do I tell yeah, the Yeah, these people are using all these numbers. And I know. What? I'm not good at math, right? Or, or right. colors, right? What are all these colors? And right. <laughs> like, is this blue, teal, orange, yellow? I don't know. 
right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll use myself, right? So sure. in my, I grew up in a traditional evangelical church, which was very blue or sometimes called amber. There's actually two colors such, which makes it even more confusing with integral and spiral dynamics. Spiral dynamics, people are a little more familiar with. So we'll go with that. So blue is kind of that traditional stage. <clears throat> Is that the first some, one some, or what order do they go in? That's not the first one, right? So some people equate it with sort of childhood growth and development. So it's the first stage is sort of this um, really uh, base. I think it's beige and it's just sort of you're a newborn infant. You're here you are, rah, right? <laughs> um, undifferentiated reality. Gebser calls it the archaic and actually that, that we won't go there to make it more confusing, but we have the beige and then we start with, um, with a tribal, gosh, I got to refresh on my spiral dynamics. I'm, I'm <laughs> much more in the Gebserian world, but, but the traditional is, is probably one that we identify a lot with a lot because it's 35, 40% of, of the U S or the Western, well, more U S North America. Um, and that, that is sort of the traditional understanding your, your average everyday church goer, um, you know, strong value sets of, um, you know, patriotism or religion, or this is, um, yeah, it's more of a collectivist space where we, so, so for me, it was growing up in that it's, it's a very safe health, healthy container, right? Oh, I'm, I'm given, here's the Bible. This is the source of, of truth and knowledge. And I learned that, and I have my community and we're all very loving and, and connective and, and also very insular and tribal and right. You're either in or you're out and there's boundaries. And, and that's kind of that, that blue stage. Um, and it's also usually mixed with, for me, it was mixed with a lot of modern, which is the next one up, which is the orange, uh, which is kind of scientific rationalism, right? Our, our education system in the U.S. is very modern, very, um, you know, you're learning the scientific method, you're, you're studying according to enlightenment rationalistic principles for the most part. Um, so it's kind of this blend there. And then a lot of times people go off to, maybe they get in high school or go off to college and they're learning about science and, and it's questioning how we have faith, right? How do I grapple and reconcile these stages? And, um, and that can maybe be a source of deconstruction sometimes. Or sometimes it's it's the next stage of postmodernism or green that uh, you go from beyond this sort of modern mental everything is um, is efficient and and then and then it's like no we we need to care about the earth we need to care about the planet we need to um, you know be more community minded and and be more kind of on the perhaps the progressive spectrum is one way to to consider it um, politically at least. Uh, and, and that's, that's the postmodern stage. I think when I was in the, in the new monastic intentional community, that was very postmodern, very green kind of this, this way of everything's egalitarian. We're going to, we're going to share everything in common. We're going to, you know, we have these inequalities in our society and we need to go and, and be with, with the poor and, and save them, right. Or be this incarnational presence and, um, try to fix all of the, the wrongs of society and, mm -hmm. And uh, so that, that's kind of those common stages of where a lot of our society is in, in spiral dynamics terms or um, kind of Wilberian integral stages. Yeah. Yeah. So what's beyond that? Like, what are we called to beyond orange, blue, green? <laughs> yeah. So, so spiral dynamics or we'll talk about the second tier, right? We move into yellow or, um, you know, a different, a different uh, framework. And, 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 and I think again, for me, it's been a real corrective to connect to uh, to different ways of of thinking about that because I don't think it comes through transcending, right? Oh, now I'm in this 
I'm in this green postmodern space and it's, oh, I'm seeing how it's fundamentalist. I'm seeing, oh, another way that I'm just sort of, um, you know, boosting myself up and well, okay, I guess I better, you know, put on my backpack and keep going and, and jump to the next stage, right? Well, okay, maybe, maybe a little bit, right? Um, but, but I think it is more of this sense of, of seeking to integrate and, and not, not fly on ahead, um, but to say, okay, what, what, what is the wholeness of my being? What is it within me that makes me who I am? Not just me, <laughs> but us, right? Um, another way of conceiving of these structures or stages is that they kind of from, um, they become more inclusive and more at each at each sure stage and so it unfolds into it's not just me now it's my tribe oh it's not just my tribe now it's my nation it's not just my nation it's the world and then it's like well it's not just the world but actually is it the universe well yes but but more in a way of of it becoming embodied within and through me um, in in the the becoming of the body of Christ, the interfusion of the divine and the material in the very fibers of my body, of our body, of the collective body of Christ. So it, it becomes a little more mystical. And that's why I want to kind of get away from the, the mapping of it and move more into the actual experiencing of that embodied consciousness, that mystical divine participation, which is really the work that we do at Integral Christian Network, because understanding and learning can only take us so far. Um, we need to move into practice as contemplatives know. But a lot of our traditional contemplative practices, um, well, they, they were designed for a specific purpose and they serve specific ends and some of them are really great, really wonderful. And also maybe there's other things that we need to integrate as well to, um, have a holistic embodied practice that, that might be a little more relational, that might also be a little more um, into the, the spaces that, that maybe we're evolving into, so. Hmm. Yeah, what does that look like? Yeah, so it in part is um, bringing more of the divine feminine into, into our practice. Um, a lot of our contemplative practices were developed in we might call them patriarchal settings or um, in a monastic context that are a little more removed from life in the midst. Um, mm. And I remember I went to the living school at the Center for Action and Contemplation. That was a constant question, right? Okay, this contemplation thing is great. These 20 minutes, I've got a baby on my hip and I've got dinner on the stove and oh, I'm going to go sit down for 20 minutes, right? Okay. And silence and stillness, right? It's just, it, 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 it's very good. It's very important. I, I spent many years in those practices were very helpful. Um, but as we're encountering life now and the way of the world and, and how we can be, um, you know, there, there's definitely something to be said for stepping back and removing ourselves and, and becoming more transparent and clear. And I'm, I'm definitely not trying to straw man or pigeonhole contemplation. Um, but there's also, there's also ways um, that we're learning through, through different studies uh, about, uh, about different ways of knowing, about centers of spiritual knowing in our body, mm. about embracing um, relationality, embracing mystery, uh, coming into more of our intuitive faculties, and not just not just doing the stripping away um, and the silence and the removal of, you know, those nasty pernicious thoughts, right? That we're trying to quiet and still. Um, again, that's that's a bit of a strong man, so I apologize for that. But we're there's other ways too that we can move into an embrace and practice with one another. Um, I mentioned relational; that's a big one, right? To to not just be in our silent interior spaces alone. 
surrounded by others, but to actively engage and participate in our shared interior spaces, uh, to move into the collective field of spiritual presence and energy with one another in a more uh, active participatory way uh, is one element of that. And then also to move into those deeper ways of knowing and being, right? I mentioned the spiritual womb earlier. That's a, a real embrace of a more feminine quality of, of spiritual being and uh, creativity that comes from that, uh, the life creation, becoming makers in the world, uh, to be people who are transforming uh, society and and we, our world needs it, right? Our world is going going in one direction, and 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 it's great to to kind of clear our own consciousness and come into um, a better place of peace. Um, but there's also a call to uh, to become um, not just in our being, but in our becoming um, divine mm. presence in the world, uh, making a new reality. Um, that's a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is that something that you could share with us now? Is that like, I don't know. I mean, I've, I know you shared that these are the kinds of things that you do in your we space groups and being able to enter into that relational space of spiritual presence. And I'm curious if that's something that can be shared just by, you know, a five minute practice or what your thoughts sure. are on that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we're, we're as we're encountering this now and if people are watching, it's, it's, um, we're not actually in a relational space of, of direct presence, but we are, um, because uh, in some sense, it's timeless and it's mm. spaceless. So maybe we've experienced that through the internet on Zoom, right? Well, I can feel present to you. I can connect with you in my heart in a way that I can feel energetically right now, Kelly, with you. Like mm -hmm. we're sharing a we space and maybe someone who's listening starts to feel something in their heart. There's like this energy presence that comes. Oh, okay. There's a reality here. There's, there's something that's being co-created. There's a, a we space, we call it a field of, of energy, of love, of, of, um, of a way of connecting into the reality that's not just stopping at these boundaries of our skin. And so we can really do that in any time in any place. And we do that not primarily not through our mind, although we can go there. Um, it's a little easier to access through the heart. Um, but since we're not exactly in a relational context, let's do it through our feet. Hmm. So our feet are, is our fourth center of, of knowing our head, our heart, our womb, and our feet. And so if we just take a moment, I uh, actually don't like to say take, let's receive a moment of moving our awareness down to our feet. Maybe wiggle your toes, maybe feel the bottom of your feet against the floor. And it's crucial that we're not thinking about our feet from our head, but we're feeling from our feet. Mm. So really sense the bottom of your feet. It's okay if you're wearing shoes or if you're in a building, that doesn't really matter. If you can be barefoot in the grass, that's wonderful, but we can still connect to this reality. Um, so feeling the bottom of your feet, perhaps just begin to sense your roots coming out from the bottom of your feet, connecting to the earth. This earth that we all share, 
this material reality and we can ground to that earth through our feet feeling our incarnated embodiment in this moment in this time in this place and in that earth energy is Christ energy, the interfusion of the divine and the material that is flowing through your body and through the earth. And so too also your body and my body and our bodies. Maybe even you can feel the interconnectedness of your roots with others. Doesn't matter where we are. Kelly's in Oregon and I'm in Kansas City and can feel perhaps an intermingling or with others. Hmm. That's probably enough for now. <laughs> Hmm. Thank you. So that's a, a, it's a practice, right? So just like any practice, you might be able to access it first time, or maybe we've done it before. Maybe we've done some grounding and, and other forms of practice, but intentionally moving our consciousness into that interconnected space, hmm. the more that we practice it, and practice it in a group setting in an act in a relational field where that that collective we space is present and dynamic uh, the more easily we're able because because the presence of the group um, actually increases our capacity uh, to sense that and to move into that so it, it takes practice um, but it's surprisingly accessible that's one of the things about this sort of embodied mystical uh, way of consciousness that we're practicing into in our groups is is that it's not um, it's not something that takes 20 and 30 years of practice and, and maybe mm. after that you'll have a mystical experience right or maybe after that you'll transform your consciousness no we need the collective because the collective has this transmission that brings us into a new reality so much faster than we would through years of practice. And also <laughs> because we're moving into the embodied spaces, right? When we're trying to clear the mind with the mind, um, yeah, well, that's another direction, but moving into the heart, moving into our feet and our embodiment, it's a much more imminent present reality that we can move into and access, um, and which brings about transformation uh, in a more direct and accessible way we found mm. through experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I find so many people who are like, man, I just meditate so much better in a group. You know, it's so hard for me to do it alone. And um, I had another conversation with um, Bonnie Badnock, who's a, an interpersonal neurobiologist. And so she was sharing, mm. we basically talked about the neurobiology of presence which was yeah. beautiful. But I mean, that was essentially the core of it was from how our very bodies are made and our nervous systems are wired. We're made for co-regulation, mm -hmm. you know? And so mm -hmm. that's, I mean, in spiritual language, that's what helps us be present and why it's so much easier with other people because mm -hmm. our, our very 
bodies and material that we're made of are wired to do that, like a tuning fork. You know, if you're very present, that helps me be very present. If you're totally anxious, it's very easy for me to get pulled into that anxiety. For sure. We, we know, I mean, we, you walk into a room, right. And you can feel kind of like, oh, th there's something off here, right? Or, oh, this place isn't safe or the right. We have these really subtle perceptive intuitions and we don't really give those credence in our society a lot of times, right? We, we just kind of dismiss them or we, we, haven't, we haven't learned to develop those faculties, right? We don't, we don't take those courses in school, unfortunately. <laughs> I know, which yeah. I think is one of the reasons why I get so excited about all the developments in neurobiology and polyvagal theory oh, and yeah. all of those things that help us understand um, from a mm -hmm. scientific standpoint, which given sometimes mm -hmm. our, our Western left-brained whatever, just want to have that concrete knowledge, like here's how that works, <laughs> you know, and yeah. here's why yeah, yeah, yeah. we're uh -huh. able to, uh -huh. you know, why we space uh -huh. works, you know, I mean, right. you can talk about it on some sort of like quantum or, you know, whatever spiritual yeah. ethereal um, level, but it's also really cool to see like, but actually your body is made to do this and here's yeah yeah well this yeah it's like it's like well it can sound a little woo woo or mystical or other but then yeah the science is coming to support that more i mean heart math institute uh is a really great organization that also under you know has done a lot of research around that around the, the field that our hearts create and mm. measuring the the electromagnetic field actually can extend eight feet out beyond our body right so we feel this when we're in a setting but we've actually found it happens on zoom too <laughs> it's not mm. just physically bound right and we we're getting little intuition intimations of that from science and you know quantum reality and the next step in in the feet practice actually is to move into our incarnated entanglement hmm. um, so there's these, these realities that that are there that we're not usually conscious of um and we're we you know there's these different sort of avenues and pathways so saying oh actually we're a lot more interconnected than we think or there's this reality of interbeing okay so what what does it look like to consciously seek to participate in those realities to bring those into our spiritual practice to say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna actually step into not just thinking about it or learning about it or reading about it but but practicing a felt sense of our incarnated entanglement with mm. others in a we space group. And that's something that we do. And it's really astounding um, how much you can actually get a felt sense of that. And it's important to have the science, to have the, you know, the, these things that help open up our minds to accepting the possibility of these realities. But it's really the experience of it that will awaken it and enliven it in us to say, oh, okay, well, I knew, I knew that it was possible, or this might be the way things actually are that this old scientific materialistic individualistic understanding of the way things are is is not really complete right we know that but but we're so rooted in that from education and other things right so but when we actually have that experience of it especially in the relational field that's what really awakens and that's why we call it whole body mystical awakening because we really are awakening to these other ways of knowing and being in our body um, and in the shared body as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah it seems very parallel to what happens when people have some sort of divine encounter or mystical experience, you know, that it, it's so different than, than just the pure head approach or what I think or believe in my faith and whatever language we use around that. But to have mm -hmm. something experiential that you have no explanation for. Yeah. And this here just yeah. sounds like that's happening, but on a relational level with others and entering into that connected space where it's like wow but we're yeah. all experiencing this together mm -hmm. 
Yeah, in Integral, they call those peak experiences. And I never quite know if it's P-E-E-K, like I'm just getting a peak, or <laughs> P-E-A-K, right? I'm going to the peak. I think it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. But, but it's, it's those experiences gives a, give us the glimpse, right, into that deeper reality, right, into that more mystical way of mm. knowing and being. And I think they're way more common than we give them credit for, right? Mm -hmm. I think we've all had many mystical experiences, some of which we dismissed, some of which we just sort of shut off right when they were starting because we didn't know any better or other times we have had them and we move into them and God has met us in unique and incredible ways. And, and sometimes we, we hold those in our past like, like these great moments mm -hmm. of, of divine presence. And we said, oh, that was that that's when I knew God. And, and that's great. We need those anchors. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from a Quaker mystic, Thomas Kelly, that says, a continuously renewed immediacy, not receding memory of the divine touch mm. lies at the base of religious living. Mm. So I'll say that again. Continuously renewed immediacy, not receding memory of the divine touch lies at the base of what he calls religious living. I would call it mystical living because um, mm -hmm. that word religious has some connotations for us, but, but that's what it is. It's like, what, what practices can we seek to engage with one another that bring forth that continued immediacy, um, continually, continuously renewed immediacy of the divine. And we experience the divine in what Integral calls the three faces of God. So it's the interior, the inner face of God that embodying our, inner divinity, the second person face of God, the intimate face of God, who is the God beside us that we still have. Maybe it's Jesus with us, maybe not, because maybe we have some baggage there. I don't know. It could be another form of divine presence that's there with us, spiritual guides or, um, for, or divine feminine, Sophia, right? Uh, or then also the third face of God, the, the infinite face of God, the transcendent mystery that's always drawing us further and further beyond. So mm. uh, we seek to engage in each of those faces of God. Um, and that's, again, hopefully a more holistic and integrated understanding of God that we can bring to our practice um, coming through some of those previous ways of praying or, or thinking about God uh, that we used to before that don't really fit or work anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that continually renewed immediacy. I mean, I think it's just an, a fresh way of looking at presence and what, yeah. what it means to be present instead of just only holding on to those anchors of what, how God has been present in the past, but continually remembering like, but he is, she is, it is here now. We are, me. we are. Exactly. <laughs> and we are, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Well, if people wanted to learn more either about We Spaces or about Integral Christianity, where should they go? Yeah, integralchristiannetwork.org. Uh, we have weekly writings that come out every Saturday that kind of explore different ways that this comes forth. There's a, there's a lot of um, complexity to learn about, right? But we always want to invite people into experience. And so those writings also help uh, move us more into that embodied participation. And um, But the WeSpace groups are really the primary place where that happens. And they're free to join their, um, their, their groups come together of usually around six to, to nine people uh, to seek to participate in this way and do these mystical practices together. And, and it really is incredibly transformative. So our, our, our groups, we start new groups currently three times a year. It's a four month commitment. 
um, to to really have some time to learn to to get to know one another and to engage in the practice uh, with with one another for eight sessions meet every other week and um, and it's really been powerfully transformative um, there's a number of testimonials of different people who've engaged in them and we've been doing them for for a couple of years now and, and learn a little bit more each time. It's it's always an evolving process. Uh, we wanna be open to that evolutionary and integrative, right? We're, we're gonna learn more from, from people who participate in it and, and all the, the things that they bring in their, in their wisdom and their experience. So um, yeah, those information about that is also on our website and um, yeah, integralchristiannetwork.org. Beautiful. Well, is there any um, final word that you would like to share with our listeners today? Hmm. Let me tune into my spiritual mm -hmm. womb. And I think I feel <laughs> one of the deepest drivers. I don't like that word driver. Let me start again. One of the, I think, deepest parts of my being is like I said, that continuously renewed immediacy, but also this, this desire to, to become. I spent a long time seeking my being <laughs> and contrasting to doing. <laughs> I was always more of a beer. And as I've come more into a sense of my being, I'm feeling this new arising of becoming of, of how do I, how do I become into the world as divine presence? How do I live in that presence, in that flow, um, not just from my mind, because I couldn't do it with my mind, but how do I move into that in my body in a way that, that allows for me to be a channel of love that flows um, in every situation that I'm in with my little kids uh, who are adorable and also sometimes drive me crazy uh, or with, with my wife or with my um, you know, people I meet on the street or what, wherever it is, right. To be, to be that um, fully embodied divine presence becoming in the world, but also not just individually into a, a network of the body of Christ that's seeking to become transformation in a world that, that desperately needs it and, and to connect in really powerful and transformative and new ways with others um, in sort of this, this bigger global network of the body of Christ that that's not a belonging system anymore but is a system of becoming and creating channels of evolution and growth and more life for the earth um, for the regeneration of of the earth and of one another and ourselves mm, beautiful thank you for sharing that and I yeah. very much sense the the we space, the presence here now. So I appreciate being yeah. able to enter into that together. Yeah, me too. too that thank you for opening this space to move into. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I encourage everyone listening to check out both we spaces and a little bit about integral Christianity. Wonderful. Thanks, Kelly. Well, thank you, Luke. Pleasure. Mm -hmm. Much love.